0: Okay, so it is the morning after the State of the Nation Address had been delivered by President Cyril Ramaphosa, and I wonder what you make of it, whether you are suffering, I don't know, from Pusa Thursday, maybe you're playing drinking games while he was delivering his speech last night, or maybe he induced a coma into you with what was over 100 minutes of speechifying. But now that we've had a chance to sleep on the speech, I think it is important that we dispassionately try and engage what was said and to draw some conclusions for ourselves. Now, obviously, when it comes to politics, it's not a science in the same sense in which, you know, the pure sciences are. And so we can reasonably disagree about the ideas that were in there. Obviously, the president is not entitled to his own facts, but he is entitled to his own ideas and overall state of analyses about the state of the nation. I'm going to give you my perspective, and I hope you'll find it useful You might agree, you might disagree, but the aim is to frame a couple of discussions that you might have with your friends this morning over the water cooler or over the weekend as you debate the state of our country, which we all as active citizens should care for. And uh, it doesn't matter whether we have deep disagreements as long as A, we obviously engage each other with dignity, and B, you're not entitled to have your worldview affirmed. You must construct an argument for your view. And I'm going to do that with my particular view. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKeyser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people saw Their children must know these are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema. Whispered and said, Sing it, sing it, and then they shared that zone. No, I'm not, not going to apologize. apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. Overall, what did I make of the president last night? Look, let's first talk aesthetics, as my friend Tabo Shah would say, when it comes to speeches, what's important in the political realm is not only the content of a speech, but also how you deliver it. Because at the end of the day, there is political branding to care for. And whether you have confidence in your voice, your body language, all of those things are import, important in terms of the psychology of presenting a speech on the state of the nation, not least when you are facing as much trouble, both inside the state and inside the African National Congress as this current president is. And I think the most praise I can give him is that compared to, for example, every time he addresses you and me on TV about COVID-19, about regulatory changes in relation to COVID-19 regulations, he actually had great energy. He sustained it for over 90 minutes. He also sounded in control over the minutiae of the speech. It seemed to me that he was at no point going to either lose his train of thought or his place in terms of where he was reading. And in fact, at one point I thought to myself, even if he was to lose his notes, he is so clearly on message and has internalized the message for the State of the Nation address that I think he could probably also speak off the cuff. He could deliver an extemporaneous speech because he has prepared that well. And I think that's important. Uh, That's important from a a oratorical point of view. That's important, given that it is also a year of ANC leadership contestation. You want to have many stakeholders listening to you affirmatively, not just the citizens of the country, but also potentially those ANC branches and the different provinces and leaderships that have to decide who should we support that will give us the best best odds to ensure the ANC doesn't get destroyed in 2024. So on the aesthetics, on the oratory, I do think the president did well, and I'll give him kudos for that. But I'm sorry, guys. When it comes to the substance, don't be fooled. I've already seen some of my fellow commentariat lowering the bar of leadership on social media last night. One commentator I've deep respect for is Richard Callant, and I haven't seen all Richard's tweets, to be fair to you, Richard, but at least one or two of them were on some... The guy's enormously frank, and of course he had to be frank, but still, that is great leadership right there. That is not good enough, and he's not the only one who said that. Many of you have said the same thing, and I have to disagree with you. It is not good enough to say the president was very honest, and he took responsibility. He said, "I I agree and accept the outcomes of the the folks that I had charged to look into what happened in July with the unrests in KZN and in Gauteng, that's not good enough because the ANC has got an excellent record, in fact, at self-diagnosis and self-examination. So when someone says, I did wrong and I take responsibility, we should acknowledge that what they are doing is ethically correct because taking responsibility for wrongdoing is an important thing to do institutionally, organizationally, and in our interpersonal relations. But what's far more important than that, or put it differently, in order for the responsibility-taking to have most meaning, it's got to be followed up by action, demonstrable action that you are changing your ways and making amends where you have caused harm. And the question has got to be asked, has the ANC-led government repaired the harm that it has caused South Africans over the past decade or more? And the answer is no. So the true test is not whether they are capable of saying we accept the outcomes of a report that said the SAPs dropped the ball, intelligence structures dropped the ball, cabinet must take collective responsibility for poverty and inequality that are the underlying drivers of unrest in the country. Fine, but at the end of the day, the implication is bigger than you concluding that you need to take responsibility. The real implication is that you are not fit to govern. That is the true implication. That is what ultimate responsibility is. Now, obviously, no political party is going to say, please vote us out of government. I mean, I can't accept that. You're in the business of politics because you like power and you are convinced that you can convert that power into outcomes that are socially useful for every citizen in the country. But all I am saying to you, fellow South Africans, to quote the president, is do not set the leadership bar low. Do not fetishize responsibility taking. Responsibility taking is the bare minimum when it comes to ethical leadership. When it comes to political leadership, and I think some of you are going to go into the "ah oh, shame, man" South African motif in response to the president supposedly taking responsibility. Of course they must take responsibility because they had a massive role to play in terms of legal and political agency in getting us to where we are. And so the first major point I want to drive home and to argue for is that while it is admirable for the president to take responsibility, taking responsibility is necessary but insufficient to get high marks for a state of the nation address. The real question is what is your track record since the last time you spoke to us in terms of A making amends for harms you have caused, and B, delivering on the promises you had made. Which brings me to the second theme, promises and promise keeping. I'm afraid this president is not particularly good at keeping his promises. I asked a friend of mine whether she had a soft copy of his address this last night before I managed to get my hands on it. And I figured that she might be able to get a copy more quickly than me. I opened the copy she sent me, And literally only about 30 minutes after closely working through it while simultaneously listening to the speech live did I realize that my friend had sent me the wrong copy. Now the reason why it took me so long to realize, and I did the test afterwards, is that there are verbatim similarities between last year's speech and this year's speech. The idea of the social compact is like a permanent meme when it comes to ANC SONA addresses. The idea that red tape should be cut, that it should be easier to do business is not new. The idea that primarily the business sector should be creating jobs and government should play an assistant role by making sure the environment is conducive to business being able to do business easily and in a way that can unlock opportunities for employment. That was there last year. So the reason why I thought I actually had the 2022 copy was because the ideas, by and large, are exactly the same. In other words, this government repeats its promises, and that's another reason you can't afford to set the bar low. Because if you made these promises last year, the year before, the year before that, if the ANC presidents that preceded him made similar kinds of uh, province uh, promises, then the question has got to be asked, can you trust the ANC? Which brings me to my third point that I want to make. I'm afraid any promise that anyone makes you is subject to whether or not two things are in place before you can believe them. Is there empirical proof in the past that they can keep their word? And related to that, secondly, do you trust them? And on both of those criteria, Mr. Ramaphosa's government unfortunately fall flat. On the first of those two criteria, he simply hasn't delivered. What happened to all the jobs that were supposed to already be unlocked for youth who are unemployed. It's not good enough to now tell us that you have thought anew about how to tinker with incentive schemes for job opportunities within the workplace so that someone can get a foot into the world of work, even if they don't have formal qualifications. Because actually, although two or three of those sentences were new sentences grammatically, the fundamental idea Of the youth needing to be absorbed into the labor market is again a recurring theme, and this ANC government has not delivered on that promise. So, on the empirical record, this government is not particularly good at actually implementing the promises that it makes when it addresses the nation, which leads me to the related issue of a trust deficit. Do you trust the ANC? Can you trust its word? I'm not so sure the answer is yes, and I'm sorry. You cannot reward the ANC for its contribution towards liberating South Africans from the grip of apartheid into perpetuity. You now have got to ask the question, what is the best political vehicle right now to try and get you and me to live in a South Africa that is envisioned in the constitution that was adopted in 1996? And there, the trust deficit that has grown over the last couple of years is absolutely gigantic, which brings me finally to some of the detail that I don't want to go into because I just don't think that the ANC is entitled to you and me taking it seriously in terms of promises. He says they're going to make sure that they speed up cases in relation to corruption, that the Zondo Commission has now empowered this government to be able to deal a decisive blow against corruption. Well, that is absolute balderdash, Mr. President, with all due respect, because actually a lot of the information that is now in Part 1 and Part 2 of the Zondo Commission reports already out have been in the public space for the longest of time. Why has it not been acted on? It has not been acted on because actually, when it comes to the value chain of justice in this country, it is at, at best tardy and at worst itself a site of state capture, and it hasn't recovered from the hollowing out of that part of the state. Why have we not seen men already and women already being behind bars, when there is sufficient evidence for cases already to have been brought. So this idea that for the first time, the state is in a position to actually go after corrupt people in the private sector and in the state, that is a lie. The state has always been in a position to act. It hasn't, through all sorts of reasons, but exploring those reasons, we can do in another occasion. The bottom line is you can't pretend that but for the Zondo Commission, it was impossible to deal with corruption. Corruption should have been dealt a fatal blow a long time ago. And the fact that the ANC government has not done so is because corruption has taken root inside the party. And because the party lacks the moral rectitude to deal with malfeasance inside the party, of course those ANC cadres that are deployed to the state are not exactly going to behave differently when they head up different parts of the criminal justice system than how they behave as ordinary members of the ANC and as leaders of the ANC. So what does it all mean? Well, what it all means is that the state of the nation objectively is a shambles and a 90-minute speech without umming and umming with great oratorical moments, with a sense of believability of his own messaging, none of that changes the objective reality that we are in a massive crisis. And ending his speech as he did last night by saying that we are resilient is something I resent. I'm sick and tired of South Africans being told, remember you are resilient, we've been on the precipice before, and we can again avoid ourselves from collapsing. There are only so many times resilience can in fact save us from potential absolute, absolute horrifying repeats of the July unrest that we saw last year. And appealing, psychopolitically, to the idea that South Africans are resilient is dangerous because we do not know for how long South Africans can be resilient. There's a limit to the appeal to resilience. And what this ANC government does not get is that you need ethical leadership, you need a a bureaucracy that works, and you need men and women who take seriously constitutionalism, constitutional supremacy, and being responsive to the needs of the citizens of this country. Overall, from an oratorical point of view, I'll give him a good 6 or 7 out of 10. But in terms of substance, in terms of the trust deficit having been addressed, in terms of believability around key ideas, I'm afraid this is a movie we've seen before and I can't give this, this president more than my NG's 30%. But, in, but as far as I'm concerned, I agree with Musi Maimane, 30% should be scoffed at. So giving him a 3 out of 10 doesn't mean that he has passed. He has done poorly, and the AMC collectively has done poorly, and quite frankly, they should be so lucky to still be in charge of the state.